Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. plotted to entrap Jesus and what he said. And so they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show um, deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then (laughs) what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus aware of their malice said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is on this and whose title? And they answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hey, y'all did a good job. Y'all showed up. Um, I mean, if you're brand new today, um, welcome to the, the, like, plastered on the front of the bulletin, the church just wants your money. Um, That's (laughs) funny. Um, If you read the email, you showed up anyways. Look at you. Um, I would say that being a Christian is simply summed up as this. Being good at changing the subject. And so I'm going to have a pop quiz this morning. Um, Look at this sentence. What is the subject of the sentence? Somebody tell me. What's the subject? Thank you. Okay, good. What's the verb? Love. Love. What is the object of this sentence? You. Um, Extra pop quiz question. What kind of object is it? Right, good. Huh? <laughs> so there you go. Awesome. There you go. Um, but what if being a Christian is all about changing the subject? 
I, the subject, love the verb. You, the object, stuck right there in the, what do you call the second half of the sentence? Predicate. Man, good job. I know. It's a super simple grammar lesson too, y'all. <laughs> very little, very basic. Um, this is great. That makes me so This church is so but I want to make sure we get this straight as we begin this, ser- this sermon series and, and this, this, this sermon today. Because making sure we get the subject and the object right when it comes to practicing like a life of faith and full communion with God, when it comes to our relationship with God and with money, when it comes to giving and generosity and stewardship, as Jesus calls it in our scripture today, giving God what belongs to God, It's about getting the subject right. And believe it or not, Jesus says that getting the subject right is actually, it's a matter of life and death. We screw this up, everything goes wrong. All kinds of brokenness enters into our lives. Things we can't get out of for generations upon generations upon generations. So in case you didn't know already, I taught English before I was um, a pastor. And um, I taught much <laughs> more than this. Um, uh, and so I figured we would begin this sermon series um, together, The Church Just Wants My Money, a series about myths and about money and about God. We would begin together to address some of the common myths about money. I figured we would begin with a simple grammar lesson. And so here's the recap, a subject is who or what something is about. An object is who or what something is to or for. Subject and object. And when it comes to the conversation about money and what God says about it and our relationship with it and our call to generosity within it, we we have to get the subject and the object right. Because for, for, for those people who have learned to think about their finances before God and to give to God even their money in a way that, that bears fruit in their lives, God is always the subject of that sentence. For these people, the practice of generosity in their lives, their spending, their investing, their giving, all of it is based in God being the subject. If you want to dive into a life of faith, a life of full communion with God, you'll have to get really good at grammar. Sorry, Emmy. Gosh, no. And coming right off um, a sermon series about the Bible and what's in the Bible and why it matters, here's the biblical reality about the subject of money. There are a whole lot of sermons that Jesus preaches, and he does not preach on sexuality. Gosh, don't we wish he did. And there are a whole lot of sermons Jesus preaches, and he never preached on how to manage success and climb the ladder in your job, and he never preached exactly on on how to deal with a particularly ornery child. There's a lot of things we wish Jesus had preached on. There are only two sermons that Jesus preaches over and over and over and over again throughout the Gospels. The first thing Jesus preaches the most about is what the kingdom of heaven looks like, what it looks like and tastes like and feels like, 
And second, most prevalent sermon topic of Jesus has to do with our relationship to money. Jesus talks more about money and possessions and giving than Jesus talks about love. If you thumb through like the four gospels um, in the Bible, um, and you, you, if you were to stretch out a finger and like, you know, close your eyes and just go like, chances are your finger would land mighty close to one of the 855 verses of Jesus that have something to do with economics or finance. The gospels are clear. When God took flesh in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, this God who walked and talked with us in Jesus decided to take head on the subject of our finances. And that makes us nervous. Do you feel that stillness in the room? <laughs> Do you feel that? That doesn't happen very often. Most people are like totally, yeah, um, I can feel it. You could cut it like, cut it with a knife, right? So it makes us nervous. It makes us really nervous when religious folk talk about money. Even if it is our beloved Jesus who's talking about it. It makes us nervous because religion has the capacity for manipulation and there seems like there could be all kinds of layers under this agenda and so you add that conversation with money and frankly we just do not trust it. All the red flags start going up for us. I know, I know you don't trust it. That's why I made the elephant in the space between us the title of the sermon series. Just to put it on the table, put that, just smack that elephant right on the table. We made it the title of the series just, just because of how awkward and uncomfortable it makes us. God knows and we know that the conversation and use of money in the church in many denominations and many churches has been used manipulatively and coercively and corruptly. And so, of course, we don't trust it. And so we could just resign ourselves to that once-a-year sermon on money that, like, the pastor sneaks into a series about, like, the things that make your life better, or like what it means to be a disciple. Or we could just like smack the elephant right on the table, right? So that's what, we, that's what we're doing with this series. We're just putting the elephant on the table. We're going to live into our mission of courageous conversation and force the conversation that no one ever wants or expects the church to actually have so blatantly, okay? The thing is Jesus keeps forcing the issue, <laughs> keeps putting the elephant on the table. That's what Jesus does all throughout the Gospels. Jesus keeps bringing it up over and over and over again, and so maybe we should too, and so we are. First, I would like to break down, I see some like scowling faces in here. <laughs> Y'all know, you have um, R RBF, is that what it is? <laughs> see your I RBF. Um, <laughs> resting belief face. Resting belief face, I feel that really strongly, yes, yes. Um, the, first, I would like to break down a few walls and bust a few myths. I know the walls that have been created in your hearts about this, and so let's just like take a, can we all take a deep breath? And exhale. First myth, 
The church just wants my money. The church is always grubbing after my money. It is a myth. Maybe, maybe the church has at some point in time, um, but it's a myth. We, we're not grubbing after your money. We're, we're grubbing after you. God's not grubbing after your money. God is grubbing after you. Second, myth. This sermon series, or this sermon, is just a way to ask me for my money. Right? The series is not about asking you for your money. The series is helping you figure out what it looks like to make God the subject of the sentence. I've lived enough up in this sophisticated DC metro area (laughs) to know that sneaking in and ask for money in a sermon is not gonna work with you people. (laughs) It does not work. I'm, I'm gonna do it directly. This is about what's happening here during this time in the service is about seeing whether, evaluating together whether God is the subject of our sentence. And so all our nerves when it comes to money are right, though. If all the surveys are correct, money is one of the biggest weights that people carry around. Something like 65% of Americans admit to worrying about money every single day of their life. This is like a daily worry we carry around with us, this like thing that presses on our shoulders. Over 75% of Americans admit to having lost sleep over some economic decision within the last month. 75% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and we think that we might be immune to that in DC Metro. No, in fact, in this area, that would be about 80% in this area are living paycheck to paycheck. We have stretched ourselves and we carry around this weight and this worry with us all the time and it happens, it happens in my household. (laughs) If it happens in my household, I know it happens in your household. 1.4 million homes will be foreclosed on this year. And to carry around that weight everywhere we go, it's, um, it's this burden It's probably the biggest burden we carry and and we get nervous about it because it hits so close to home. And speaking of home, number one fight in American households is about what? Money. And so people come to church to get away from these conversations. Oh, I just come to church because I want them to be, it would be a really, really lovely place where I can come and forget all that stuff. (laughs) Perhaps Jesus knows this knows that, that if he's going to be our Prince of Peace, that, that Prince of Peace who reaches even into the stresses of our life related to the burdens and anxiety of our finances, that he's going to have to slap the elephant on the table. It's a really good visual. I just keep seeing this elephant just thrown onto a <laughs> table. Yeah. yeah, really big table we need. Yeah. So maybe this is why Jesus talks so much about money. Jesus is going to have to lead us in changing the subject of our sentence. And so today's reading in Matthew has everything to do with changing the subject. Jesus is is standing in the crowds and, and they're trying to trip him up and they're trying to catch him in something and someone tosses him a coin. Someone from the crowd just tosses him a coin. Okay, tell us then, son of man, should we pay taxes? 
This is actually a really big hot button issue at the time. The Jews, in case you didn't know, were funding their own oppression at this time. They were paying Caesar and Caesar was holding them down. And so they come to Jesus with this catch-22. They ask him if, if they should pay their taxes and he knows that if he says yes to this question, the temple's coming after him. And if he says no to this question, Caesar's coming after him. And so Jesus, with this coin in his hand, instead changes the subject. He says, whose image is on this coin? Who's the subject of this coin? And they say, Caesar. And then Jesus asks, whose image is on you? Who's the subject of your life? Give that life to God. It's a conversation about image. It's a conversation about subject. Who are you going to give your life to? Just a few verses later, same day with Jesus, same chapter, same day, Jesus forces this conversation again. It's still lingering in the air what Jesus had just said. Jesus and disciples, they pay a visit to the temple. And they decide to take a noonday tour of the temple and they stand in awe of like the towering ceilings and the beautiful columns and all of that. And then they finally make their way down to the front of the temple and they take their seat on the front row and they decide to just watch what's happening at the temple. And they look up right in front of them is the treasury. They used to put the treasury right here. Awkward. <laughs> This should be interesting. Let's watch what happens here. Let's see who puts what where. Like this is pre-online giving. <laughs> where you don't have a little card and you can stay anonymous behind that card as you drop it you know, visually to show that you gave something but nobody knows what you gave. Um, can you imagine how awkward this is? They would come forward to the treasury. It's right there, right front and center and they would Watch people come forward, one person after another person, to make their offering to God. And they start to see a pattern. First of all, everyone is just overly religious about it. They walk up and they're dumping these large amounts of money into the plate. And they're, they're blowing horns, it says, as they do it, to, to get God's attention, but really to get everybody else's attention, let's be honest. And some of them have, have a prayer, this prayer that they pray every time they come and give their money. Over and over and over again, this happens as they're coming forward. And people at the back of the line keep peeking around the line to see who at the front of the line is giving and what they're giving and how they're giving and why it's taking them so long to get up to the plate. And Jesus, sitting in the front row with his disciples, he notices this one woman standing halfway in the line, this woman clutching in her hands something, and... And as the line moves slowly forward and the trumpets blow and the prayers are said over and over again, and finally this woman gets up to the front and she drops her two cents into the plate. And she's shoved out of the way then so that more people can keep coming up and blowing their trumpets. And Jesus looks over at his disciples mere minutes after giving them this lecture about give, give God what is God's and says, Truly I tell you, this, this one has given more than anyone else. This is a parable on, on good grammar. This poor widow, 
becomes a tutor on having good grammar as it relates to our giving. Notice that everyone else is dumping their money into the plate with their robes and their trumpets, but nothing has changed when it comes to the subject of their lives. They're still the subject. Look how much I give to God. Look how important I am in my giving. They're still the subject, and God has become the object to help make them feel better and make the subject matter highlighted, a little, less, a little more palatable. And, and, then, and then the widow, who is in her offering, makes God the subject of her life. She puts in everything she has, everything, not to be flashy or showy, but to show a statement that the subject of her life has changed, has been altered in this like very moment. A few years ago, pre-COVID, it's, it's funny how we mark time like that, right? <laughs> um, a few years ago, I was, I was talking to someone in our church about how much I absolutely hate talking about money. I hate it. I have been asked by multiple people to do a sermon series on God and money for years after years after years, and I'm finally doing it. Um, it's just a subject I do not like to force, mainly because I really want you all to like me. Please like me. <laughs> and I'll never forget what this person said. Um, he said, Michelle, I hear you that you don't like to talk about money. Who does, really? Like, seriously. But I want you to know that, like, as someone who gives to the church and always is wondering whether I'm giving enough, or don't even know if I know what it means to give enough, I don't buy for one minute that God needs my money. Like, I call BS on that. If anybody ever tells me that God needed my money, I'd be like, BS, that's wrong. I don't believe it, but I, I sure as hell know that my money needs God. Do you know that your money needs God? Myth, God needs your money. Truth, all of our money needs God. All of us need God. All of us need a change of subject in our lives. In our time and in our relationships and in ourselves and in our wallets, we all need a change of subject. Truth be told, this, this entire series is really just about changing the subject. Whose image is on you, Jesus asks. Who's the subject of your sentence? I have been reading from this book lately. Um, if you're looking for a, like a great devotional on um, generosity and stewardship, if you're looking on some, for something that you can, as a family, think through, if it's something that you just really know you need to grow in, um, I, I you know, recommend this, Defying Gravity, the Break Free from the Culture of More. Um, it's a fantastic book, but there's this one um, part that I think is really, um, I wonder if this relates to you. Um, the author gives a variety of categories of people and how they, they relate to money. And so see if you can find yourself in these. The first one he calls batten down the hatches, people. These people feel 
great anxiety about money no matter what the circumstances. Normal life experiences that require financial planning, such as like helping a, a, a child go to college or thinking about that or saving for a special vacation or preparing for retirement are experienced as coming, as, as coming economic hurricanes that are gaining strength on open waters before they make landfall. That's how it feels. These people are hyper-focused on saving and feel such an urgency that often is difficult for a person to spend money on themselves, much less give it away. Maybe that's you. Also calls this next person, every rung goes higher and higher, is what they call this person. When we climb our way to a certain lifestyle, it requires all the household income just to sustain our standard of living. When our income increases rather than pay off a credit card or give to the church or give more to the church, we use the extra money to move up another rung in our lives. We remodel the house or purchase a new fishing boat or trade up for a nicer model car. And with each new rung, we feel the need for more possessions or a higher standard of living in our retirement. Giving is postponed then indefinitely to be done one day when all the bills are finally paid. Number three, this author calls the call of the wild. For some people, a simple trip to the local superstore for a few groceries can become a safari deep into the thicket of the retail jungle. Big game items in the elect electronics department call the hunter to mount them on their wall. Sale signs mark the trail. A pause in the clothing section makes one think I would look great in that fedora. I've never owned a fedora. <laughs> Today I will fulfill that destiny. I will get myself a fedora. And the shopping adventure is satisfying until the bills come due. Uh-oh. Our inability to control spending when faced with the allure of merchandise means that other financial priorities always suffer. There's two more. This person says, I am the gift. Those of us in, in human services fields, I'm one of those such as teachers, pastors, social workers, employees of nonprofits, perhaps. Often they have lower salaries and spend our time and talent each day assisting others with many more hours than we're paid for, right? And so we fall into a trap of thinking, my whole day is a gift. And soon that becomes a reason to neglect financial giving. And then the last one, the bucket list lingo. The big bucket, bucket list bingo. Some people take the concept of a bucket list very seriously and they have a strong sense that life is finite and that the day is coming when we won't be able to have the experiences we might enjoy today. And when our email offers a trip to an exotic location, it can be nearly irresistible. And so when friends talk about their experience that will be expensive, but then add that you only live once and they feel compelled to sign up Bucket listers live for big-ticket adventures, and their discretionary income is used to make checks on a list. I wonder if any of these are you. 
I wonder if you are the, the batten down the hatches or the, every rung goes higher and higher or the call of the wild or the I am the gift or the bucket list bingo. I fall prey to every rung goes higher and higher adding a new expense to my life. I'm gonna be honest. I fall prey to, to get a raise. We add a new thing that we've always been wanting to do or wanting to buy. I fall prey to believing I'm paid about as least as I could possibly be paid. I am the gift. Aren't I a gift? <laughs> I fall prey to these. And so I wonder if any of those relate to you. I wonder, um, so I'm, I want you to know that I'm like actively reading a devotional for my own life, not for you all. This is actually not the sermon series. This is my own personal life and my own journey with money, right? I hope you'll do the same. I hope you'll do the same. So here's one more pop quiz, our final pop quiz for today. Who's the subject of this sentence? Who's the, what's the verb? And who is the object? Me. Like this is key to full communion with God. This is key to our faith. Whose image is on you? Who's the subject of your sentence? Let's pray today. God, we want as people of faith to, to make you the subject of our sentence. And this does not start with giving to the church. Because there's no way we can do it. And, you know, we could easily go up on um, our online giving platform and connect our credit card to it. And just to make ourselves feel better make our giving something that makes us go further into debt because we're unwilling to look at the other areas of our life where we should cut. So giving isn't where we begin, God. <laughs> we put that aside. It's starting by putting you at the, as the subject of our sentence, which makes our, this, this, our lives more whole. And we begin to see what we need and what we don't need. We begin to see how we fill the gaps of our life and how we should fill the gaps of our life. We begin to see the conversations we must have sitting around a table together about how we spend money. And then out of that, we realize then that rather than prolong it forever or think of ourselves as the gift, or just add giving to a list of all the other things we do, Netflix, giving, Starbucks. We start to realize that actually the greatest reward comes in when we order our lives and make you the subject. God, we say this in every area of our lives though. Also, I pray for the people in this room who have not known for so long what it looks like to put God as the subject of their sentence where they're just doing all the time. It's always about them, but it's always about being enough. And God says, I love you, makes us the object that receives God's love. We pray this as Jesus taught us to pray. When he taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.